This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast, episode number 19. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. Today's guest is Alan Steinborn, who is an expert on helping others get out of debt. Now, if you're new to the subject of getting out of debt, one of the most popular and influential books on the subject is called Your Money or Your Life. And the book gives some great strategies on getting out of debt and actually has a step-by-step system that you can follow to help you get out of debt quicker. What made the book really intriguing for me, however, is that it was written by a guy who retired at age 31. Now, anybody that is able to be financially independent by that young of an age is someone that I think anybody can learn from, whether you're in debt or not. So I was definitely intrigued and wanted to learn the system that he used to be able to achieve this really significant goal. Now, one issue, though, that some readers have with this book is that the book is based on strategies that the author did around 1970. That's when he became financially independent. It's when he retired. Now, obviously, a lot has changed since then. For example, interest rates are a lot lower now, so we can't just put money away in something safe like a GIC and expect a good return indefinitely you know, in our retirement. Also, housing prices have been going up here in Canada uh, quite a bit since then. And also, thanks to the internet, we also now have a lot of other ways that we can invest. For example, it's now a lot easier in Canada here to become an index investor, which is basically what I do by simply buying entire markets through ETFs or exchange-traded funds. So obviously, a lot has changed since then. And while many of the strategies taught in the book are timeless what alan our guest on the show today did is he took those best practices and he modernized them for this day and age he also built a community online so that others on the deaf freedom journey can help each other out and support each other all right so let's get into the interview and learn some deaf freedom best practices from alan all right hey alan welcome to the show Hey, Cornell. Nice to have. Ha- it's nice of you to have me on the show. <laughs> no problem. I'm excited to have you on. You're uh, you're a debt, a debt, getting out of debt expert, basically, uh, in your field. And so I, I just really just want to start off and just get a little bit of a background on you. So for anyone that maybe hasn't heard of you before, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and really how you started helping others in this area of getting out of debt? Okay, well... Actually, I've been helping people in personal development and professional development for over 20 years now. And I've worked around the world and I've developed various uh, personal development modalities. Uh, Personally, I've been debt-free since 1993. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Especially with all those temptations out there, right? That's that's quite the uh, accomplishment, actually. You know what? I... I, um, let, uh, let me explain about that for a second. The, the temptations, they don't um, – I have a firm, firm understanding about the value of debt freedom. And you can't put a temptation in front of me that's going to convince me that it's more important than my freedom. Mm-hmm. And so I, I – um, so since 1993, I've been I've been debt free, and since then I've been able to live in four di- different countries. I've I've traveled around the world, all over the world, and I've uh, worked all over the world. 
I have been able to start businesses and stop businesses and take crazy great risks and learn the saxophone and take years off of work and go back into work doing different kinds of work. And all of this basically because I've been debt free. And so last year I met my partner, Jackie Beck, Mm -hmm. and it was, it just made sense for us to form an alliance and create a program to help people get debt free. It's, it's an epidemic. It's uh, the average American, American, North American, South of Canada has uh, $70,000 of debt. And that's not even including mortgages. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so based on that, we decided to create a program and it's been baking in the oven now for about seven or eight months. And we have a pilot program going on right now. And so we're ready to launch July 4th. Very excited about that. That's great. Yeah, I remember seeing that number, the the seventy. Uh, I think you said seventy four thousand or so. Uh, yes. In average debt, and and when I first saw that, I thought, oh well, you know, that's that's you know, mortgages are obviously included in that because that's such a high number. And then I I read the kind of you know the asterisks, and it's like actually this is not including mortgages. Uh, so that yeah, that was that's a very alarming number. It's 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 pretty alarming and. But but I it doesn't really give justice to the problem. It's easy to look at a number like seventy four thousand, and your mind kind of goes numb. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kind of like you know set, like try to count to seventy four thousand. You know, walking in a circle. You know, you'd never get there. You'd be you'd be drunker than a skunk by the time you got to fifteen hundred. You know, just from walking in the circle. Yeah. So seventy four thousand's a lot, but. Mm-hmm. When you think of it in terms of your daily life, what it actually means to the choices that you have or actually don't have or even don't notice you have because you're carrying this debt, then you start to realize how alarming it actually is. Not the number, but the impact that number has on people's daily lives every day, the weight of that Seventy-four thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And, and yeah, it's interesting when I mentioned the temptations and how I mean, good for you for not kind of falling prey to those because you've got you know the marketing companies spend millions, possibly billions, on on trying to get you to to get out of that position and to start spending more and more and more. But I see your point. How oh, you say, well, you know, if if the prize at the end is freedom, then that actually makes the temptations not so tempting. Because you know, you know is that you have to give that freedom up to get that, you know, that Porsche or whatever the case may be. And so you say, you know what, I value freedom over a Porsche, let's say. I, I was able to live on a sailboat in Lisbon, Portugal. <laughs> That's great. You know, I, yeah. I've lived in a farmhouse outside of Paris. <laughs> I, I, I lived I lived in one of the coolest squat houses in Berlin. Mm-hmm. I, I have given workshops for free in Brazil. I've traveled around India. Hmm. I, you know, I couldn't do any of that if I was falling prey to the the marketing gimmicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's not even close to tempting for me. Mm-hmm. So, so are you financially independent, or were you financially independent when you were doing all these things, or are you still kind of do you still need to generate some sort of uh, side income? How can you? You know what. Financial independence mm-hmm. 
one degree of financial independence is getting debt free. Right. When you get debt free, it's really pretty, it's not that complex to survive. Mm -hmm. Like it, in today's day and age, if you come, if you're fortunate enough to come from Canada or the US and you have enough financial intelligence to know how to keep your expenses down, actually, I guess this is a long way of saying I'm not financially independent mm -hmm. and I've always had to make money to survive, but it's never been a problem. Let me just okay. cut it short. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no that, yeah. that's great because, you know, sometimes we hear about financial independence and a lot of times numbers start coming up such as what is the size, what does the size of your portfolio have to be? in order to be able to kind of sustain a retirement or to be financially independent. And sometimes that number can be really, really intimidating, right? I mean, you hear some of these success stories of people retiring early who, you know, had really high paying jobs and they stashed a lot of it away. And now they have a portfolio you know, worth a million dollars, let's say, right? And that can be, I mean, that, that's inspiring on the one end, but at the other end, it's a bit, you know, for somebody that's, let's say, making, uh, you know, nowhere near what those other people, you know, they're not making six figures a year and putting away half of it, right? So, you know, for so for kind of the more, you know, I would say average person or people that aren't in these really high income earning scenarios, you know, that, that can seem a bit out of reach, right? So I, I really like your approach, how, well, you know what? Yeah. Uh, oh, you don't you don't need that much to begin with, so don't get intimidated that you need you know a million dollars or more necessarily. I mean, you have uh, to earn an income, and that's okay. It, but it, that doesn't have to be that much. Well, for someone in debt, my my first uh, piece of advice is focus on getting debt free. Mm -hmm. It's it's a freedom in itself. You don't need to worry about the whole financial independence game. That game will be there for you when you uh, reach debt freedom, as it was for you in your life, uh, right. from my understanding, Cornell. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really, if you keep it simple and you just focus on getting debt free, it's so worth the journey to debt freedom. Mm -hmm. And the momentum and what you learn on the journey to debt freedom will take you towards financial independence. Right. Like a lot of the skills that you need to know to become financially free are also the same skills you need to learn to be debt free. Right. That's exactly. the cool cool thing about it. Yeah, so you're developing these skills, these habits basically to when you're trying to get out of debt and then you're using the same those same skills basically to eventually become financially independent. Um, and they're the yeah. same skills mm -hmm. more or less. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. That's a good point because you know, when you, when you hear about these early retirees, for example, or people that reach that financial independence, you know, they may have been able to hit it to get to that level earlier because, you know, they did have high salaries and they saved a large percentage of them. But when, when they blog about how they do it and how they live day to day, for sure, you'll notice that they don't li live these crazy lives where they're just spending money left, right and center. They're actually living pretty frugally a lot of the times and well, living as someone that is trying to get out of debt, even though they aren't in debt. You know what? The, the, the key that these people have found that a person who's getting out of debt finds, and I'm, I'm interviewing lots and lots of people who've successfully 
gone through the debt freedom journey mm -hmm. and almost everyone has a similar story which is once they made the commitment to get on the debt freedom adventure what they build is awareness when you start mm -hmm. finding how your behavior is affecting your life and you start realizing what's valuable to you and what's not valuable and focusing more on what's valuable to you, mm -hmm. you get debt free. I'll give you an example. So when I was, I graduated in 1990 with a bachelor's of business from the University of Texas. I got my corporate job in San Francisco and I was just following what I thought was a successful life and spending a bunch of money without even realizing what I was doing and going into debt. And actually, I had a, um, what you could call a breakthrough. I, I, had a, I, I became aware of what I really wanted to be doing in my life, and I simplified it greatly and uh, just lived off of a very small amount of money because what I really wanted to do at that time was read, write, poetry, and play saxophone. Mm -hmm. And so I got busy playing the saxophone and writing poems, and by itself, I became debt-free. Hmm. So when I was working really hard for this corporation and not really following what I cared about and not paying attention, I got in debt. When I quit that job, and I had saved up some money and I, I, I got some help and I just was living a very simple life and doing the things I really love and value, the debt went away by itself. Mm -hmm. It was a very big lesson for me that showed me that the most economically prudent thing I could do was actually follow my heart. Right, okay. Right, as opposed to getting caught up in sort of that I guess, corporate culture of, you know, mass consumption and spending and debt and all of that. Exactly. The mm -hmm. externally referenced lifestyle right. where, you, where you've got to look good for others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. So obviously you were able to do some things correctly so that you were able to get out of this debt that you basically put yourself in when you got out of school and when you started working in this corporate sort of setting. So I think a lot of people uh, that struggle with debt, uh, they would agree that there's a very large psychological component when it comes to getting out of debt. It's, you know, it's not just numbers on a spreadsheet. There, there's, there's a lot going on in your head that, you know, forming the right habits, for example, you know, and that, mm -hmm. that can be pretty critical. So you know, you've, you've talked to a lot of people, you've helped a lot of people get out of debt as well. What are some of these common psychological barriers that you find people have that are in debt? And how, how can someone overcome some of these, these key critical psychological barriers? Yeah, such a good question, Cornell. So <laughs> when, I, when, when, I, when I first started working on this program, the Destination Debt Freedom with my partner, Jackie Beck, I was under the assumption that everything was rational and, you know, pay off debts in a very rational way. And she corrected me very early on. And by the way, Jackie is really the debt freedom expert of, of our company. I'm the personal development expert. Okay. And she really pointed out, and, 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 and I've subsequently seen in all the interviews I've done, that the main barrier 
to getting out of debt is psychological. It's in your head. It's emotional. It's not logical. It's your emotions. And number one, overwhelm. Overwhelm is the number one reason people don't get out of debt. It's like this sense of inevitability and powerlessness in the face of this debt. It, it's that number, 74,000. Mm -hmm. It's so big that it's kind of like, have you ever had a dirty kitchen that's just the dishes are piled so high, you just like avoid the room altogether? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, kind of like that. You, you throw in the metaphoric towel, right? And just, <laughs> just avoid, yeah, exactly. try to avoid all together. You can avoid the towel because maybe they're dirtier <laughs> than the kitchen. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, so debt is like that, but the problem is, is that it keeps growing as you keep avoiding. Right. And the bigger it gets, it's a vicious cycle. The bigger it gets, the more you avoid, and the more you avoid, the bigger it gets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that creates number two, which is inertia. And inertia is the basic problem that underlies every kind of change a person wants to make in their life, not just debt. It involves you know, weight loss or changing any kind of habit. And that is you've just built in a way of living. And it, it's easier than change. And it's like the air you breathe. And making a change is awkward. It's, it, it involves taking new steps. It involves making new decisions. It involves not knowing. It's a little scary. So inertia needs to be overcome to get out of debt. You've got to do things differently, right? What is the definition of insanity? It's doing the same things that you were doing and expecting different results. Well, you've got to make different actions to create different outcomes. So right. that's inertia. The third one is isolation. Debt isolates. You know, I, I think a lot of people are very ashamed and afraid to really talk about their debt. Or the opposite could also be true, where all your friends are in debt and there are not so many people around you who you can use as a role model right. or have a community of people also getting out of debt to inspire you, keep you accountable, keep you on track. Mm -hmm. So the fourth one is a sense of shame and unworthiness. And this one really cuts to the core of a person's identity. Like, are you really worth living the life of your dreams? Are you really worth doing what you really honestly, passionately care about? Or are you living small to get along? You know, and, 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 and that sounds almost cliche, but if you really look at it, it's a scary proposition to face what it is you really, truly want. And I think that's, that feeds very much into the whole debt freedom journey is you need to know why you want to get debt free. And it usually involves, you know, doing something you care about. So the, the fifth one is basically resignation. And this is related to the last one. And resignation is just not understanding the benefit of debt freedom. So it's like if you're, if you're hiking, imagine you're hiking with a 50-pound pack on your back, and you've gone three miles, and you're really tired, but maybe you don't realize by that time that you're carrying all this weight. And debt is a lot like that. You don't realize 
how much of a weight it is and how it blinds you from possibility until you're debt free. Mm -hmm. You just have to be debt free to know the value of debt freedom. So that's the that's really a tricky psychological problem and obstacle to getting debt free is is knowing the value of it. And and uh, so it's really important to hear from those who have gone the journey and mm -hmm. can speak to their the value of it. And the last one is, and this is a really tricky one, Cornell, and I'm really excited to talk about this one. It's this false sense of responsibility. So what do I mean by that? Well, you mentioned earlier about how the credit card companies uh, spend so much money on marketing. Well, one of the really clever things that the credit card companies and also the student loan companies have done is they've made it a responsible behavior to stay in debt. So, for instance, you get, uh, let's say you're $10,000 in credit card debt and you're paying 15% interest. Your minimum payment may be $15 or $20. And you think to yourself, well, I'm responsible if I'm making that minimum <laughs> right. payment. I'm not defaulting. I'm a responsible person. So you feel kind of like you're, you're being a good person. Well, actually, you're only being a good profit center to the credit card company. Right. They're, they're going to make bunches of money off of you because you're never going to get out, out of debt. Mm -hmm. you, you know, it's a clever way of making you feel good about yourself like you're a good person while, in fact, you're totally sabotaging your future. So those are the six six re psychological components that I've identified that keep people in debt and keep people from starting to get out of debt. Mm -hmm. That's great, That's yeah. Great. And I like how you brought up how if you're around others who are also in debt, you know how, how that can have a pretty sort of negative impact. And I think this things to to, to the average. You mentioned the seventy four thousand sort of that the average person is in debt. So I think when you see numbers, you hear numbers like that, and let's say everybody around you is in debt as well. I, I worry that if someone's in that sort of environment, in that situation, that they might start thinking that debt is just a normal thing and exactly. a normal part of life. And, you know, and, and if you think it's normal, that there's nothing wrong with that, then you're very unlikely to change. Well, you know, what incentive do you have to change your behavior? Right. It's very, very minimal at that point. Right. So um, so I, I think that's a really good point is how, you know, you, how it's important to sort of get those role models, see those who have done it and then acknowledge that this isn't a normal just because it's the average. It doesn't mean that that's what you should be doing. Right. So so I think that's that's pretty critical. Um, and I really like your point, too, about sort of the. Uh, the confidence, right? How if, if you have too much debt and you're to the point where you're getting overwhelmed by it, maybe you're th you know throwing in that towel even or, or you know you're kind of feel that way a little bit. Uh, I can see how that you know that can really have a bad impact on your confidence. So maybe you know there's all these things you want to do, but then you're thinking, well, I have all this debt. Uh, clearly, I'm not even you know maybe you feel I'm not even like clearly I must have messed something up. Maybe I'm not smart enough or or whatever you know, to get out of this debt, right? And so I probably can do all these other things I want to do with my life. So I can see how it kind of holds you back in terms of confidence where it's sort of this negative thing, negative thing over you, kind of making you feel, you know, inferior and making you feel worse, you know, like you're worse than you really are, right? So yeah. so I can see how that, you know, paying it off can be a huge confidence booster. And I mean, just imagine paying off all your debt. I mean, you, I mean, if it's especially if it's a huge amount, right? I mean, 
you're going to feel so proud and confident after doing that, that you're going to say, well, if I paid off, let's say, you know, the $70,000 in debt, sure, it might have taken me some time to do that. But I mean, that's going to really boost your confidence. I mean, if you can pull that off, there's so like, what can't you pull off, right? It's, it's awesome. It's, mm. it, it, it's such an awesome achievement. And actually, you start feeling that achievement way, way before you actually pay all of it off. You, you just getting on the path and committing to to paying it off and then paying off, you know, just starting to treat it like a game and and adding more and more to your pay down mm-hmm. and, and 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 seeing it come off the books yeah. and is 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 it just builds in confidence and you get clear on what matters to you mm-hmm. and you start saying no to what doesn't matter to you and yes to what matters to you. So actually the event of getting debt free is really almost secondary to the journey of becoming debt free mm-hmm. yeah no for sure and i remember when i was uh when we were working on getting mortgage free i remember gaining this extra sort of confidence and momentum and and even just pure joy when i would go on that online calculator on on the banking website and you you could put in how much are you prepaying that month so mm-hmm. i would put in how much i'm going to prepay on top of my regular mortgage payments right and when you put that in it would tell you okay if you put in you know this many thousand dollars uh you know you're going to get you're going to shorten the life of your loan by X amount, right? And then you can take it further. You can see, well, how much am I going to save in interest now that I've done this, right? And so I, I, but I just remember it being such a psychological boost when I would put in that figure and it would spit out and tell me, hey, by the way, you've just decreased your mortgage by eight months, you know, Mm. from from this one payment, right? And Mm. I thought, wow, this is, I mean, I found that so motivating, right? Because like, wow, one one payment, eight months, this is amazing. Like I should just keep doing this until we're down to zero, right? And then, you know, and then so kind of did that. And then, you know, I mean, in six years, in less than six years, we basically paid off our mortgage, right? And it was, and I I remember that being a really, really motivating thing to see that. So yeah, I I definitely encourage people trying to get out of debt, whether it's mortgage or not, to look at those numbers and see what an impact it has when you do pay it off. Uh, because you know you'll 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 very clearly see that you're on the right track when you see that number go down, <laughs> for sure. Mm, mm, mm. Beautifully put. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. So, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the methodology that you use? I mean, I know you base it off of another program, but then you've also modified it because the the program's kind of a little bit older now, right? So you've modified it for sort of the you know the modern age with all the technology that we have now. Can, can you tell us a bit more about? the methodology that you've used for your program to help others get out of debt? So really, okay, yes. And and if you think about what we discussed earlier, that, you know, the overwhelm, inertia, isolation, shame, recogn- you know, resignation, what's needed to get out of debt is you need, first of all, a community. You need a team of supporters that won't let you quit. Mm-hmm. And you, you also need experts who have been there and done that and can show you how to do it. That's really important. And the, the basic – so what we've done is we have a community. We have a team that we put you on, a team of supporters. And then we have a methodology that is you learn some financial skills and some debt – repayment skills that are really pretty basic. They're really pretty simple. 
But the real thing is, is, you know, these skills can be found in books. They can be found on blogs. There's nothing very mysterious or mystical about them. The technology and the power of the technology is greatly exaggerated. It's not that important. What's important is you. You've got to make a commitment to getting debt-free. There's no app that can make this commitment for you. There's no book that can make this commitment for you. There's no blog that can make this commitment for you. I can't make this commitment for you. Cornell cannot make this commitment for you. You've got to step up and you've got to say, I want to be debt free. Mm-hmm. And, and that's your first step. And that's what we do. We help people to see it as a first step whether or not they really want to be debt-free, whether it's really for them. And if it's not, that's fine. If you're not ready to be debt-free, no problem. No blame, no shame. Go on your way. But if you really kind of want to get a be debt-free, the point is, is to firmly say, I want to be debt-free. Like really own it. Because when you own it, then you're willing to take the steps that are necessary to make it happen. You've got to make the choice. All the tools, all the gurus, all the books, you know, the, we could have Warren Buffett giving you an hour of his time every day, and you're still not going to get debt free if you don't decide to do so. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, once you've made the decision, the, this is the number two step. It's really the number one action step. And it's so basic. It's called no new debt. That's it. No new debt. You know, three words. That's pretty cool. No new debt. It's, 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 this, is, this is the most simple methodology. Just commit to no new debt. And that by itself, if you're making money and bringing in money, that you don't create new debt is going to go a long way to helping you pay it off. Mm-hmm. Okay, number three. You create an emergency fund for yourself. And this can be done really, really easy. In fact, we have a way of creating an emergency fund on our website using Digit, where if you sign up through our website, we'll give you $5 to start you off on your emergency fund. You can create an emergency fund without even trying. It literally, they take money from your account and put it into another account automatically, pennies by pennies, and it adds up really quickly. But it's really important to have money for those unforeseen circumstances. So as anybody who's in debt can tell you, every expense is an emergency. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to collect some money so that you don't have to go back into debt and credit when those emergencies show up. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the emergency fund, how there's different sort of methodologies of, of different formulas people use to calculate that. What's what's one that you found works works really well for you? You know what? We're we're okay, I'm going to I'm going to let you talk to Jackie Beck when you interview her about mm-hmm. the actual details. Sure. What what I just want to say is the methodology that works is to open up an account that you don't touch. That's simple. Mm -hmm. Let's keep it really simple. It's too easy to get caught up in 
best methodologies, best tools, best interest rates. If you want to get out of debt, open up an account, do it with Digit, do it on your own, create a little separate savings account and just put some money in there. That's the best way, okay? It, we have a special methodology that we use in our program where we have emergencies like really god forbid situations eventualities things that happen to most people you know they like the car breaks down that kind of thing right things you know bills that come up infrequently and you know and then we have it's also kind of an emergency if you want to take special money for special purposes like you know i want to go on a trip and that's not technically an emergency but really, when you think of an emergency fund, it's just money for unforeseen circumstances. Those could be negative or positive. It, and so just basically planning for those and, and putting money aside for uh, for them. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know what you mean. It, it, it can be a complex thing, right? Because there's the emergency fund, like, uh, you know, for if the car breaks down, like you said, but then there's certain you can get more complex too, and you can start doing calculations. For example, if you own a house, well, our roof is X years old; it's likely to need replacement by this particular year. So, how do we build up an emergency fund now to be ready for when that happens, right? And then you apply the same. So you apply the same thing to uh, other things like your furnace, for example, right? So there's all these different sort of there's sort of the simple uh, method that, that I've heard where, you know, you save X percent of your monthly, ex, you know, of, of your, so you have X months of monthly expenses kind of stashed away. And then there's sort of the more complex one where you've got people that actually have spreadsheets built where they model, <laughs> where, you know, I've heard that too, right? Where they model it out, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's popular with engineers, right? So they'll have the spreadsheets, um, you know, and they'll say, okay, well, likely my roof is going to leak between this and this year. So I'm going to, I need to save X amount per month now. And that's allocated to the roof fund, right? So, um, yeah, both ways can be effective, right? I guess it depends on the person. And I guess the danger is if you go too complex right away, you might never finish finding out that number. And then you stop, you don't even have an emergency fund, right? So maybe it's a good way. Like, I like your approach is okay, start the emergency fund, get it going, get some traction, get some momentum going, right? And then, you know, once you've got that, you've got that habit where you're stashing a certain percent away in your emergency fund, then, okay, I've got the habit, the habit's built. I'm doing it effortlessly now. You can automate it too, right? Where it just withdraws a certain amount from your bank account to another one, which is just your emergency fund. And then, okay, now maybe we start optimizing it. We start looking at these other things. Um, but, but no, I like, I like your point how, you know, because I'm a details guy and I like to go, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that will have the spreadsheet, you know, but I fully recognize the fact that, you know, it, that's not necessarily the best way to start because it can be paralyzing too. If it's exactly. kind of too overwhelming, right? You need to get that momentum going, get into Bingo. that habit, and then you optimize. So yeah, you know yeah. what? I I wouldn't. If you're in debt, just open up an account. Don't get complex. Just start. Then later you can get more detail. Mm-hmm. Just start. The key is just start. Yeah. And then Alan, in your program too. I mean, this is another area where there's different schools of thought so some some will say okay your emergency fund start saving that up after you've already paid off all your debt or you know paid off all your debt except for the mortgage for example do it then and then there's others that will say no you want to do your emergency fund kind of right away so that you've got so that you always have that cushion um you know what approach do you guys take and what's kind of your logic behind it 
you know what? We believe in starting the emergency fund right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it, it it goes very parallel with the idea of no new debt. Right. So so we want people to get away as quickly as possible from mm-hmm. the idea of using the credit card as an emergency fund. Right. Because when you use a credit card as an emergency fund, let's say the emergency is uh, $100. Well, it's not $100. It's 100 and whatever the interest is, which could right. double it to 200 or $300. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that's part of it. And the other part is the psychological part, like really the commitment to no new debt. Right. The more solid that is, the easier it is to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. That's why we like to have the emergency fund uh, created up front. And then there's yet another aspect to this, which is, and, and this is something that a lot of people can appreciate, it's much easier to make money than it is to hold money. Mm-hmm. And when you create an emergency fund, you're starting to learn how to hold money and save money for a certain purpose. Mm-hmm. And and just learning that one basic skill is going to help you for the rest of your life. Right. Because because maybe someone is in that habit where they're living paycheck to paycheck and they've been doing it for a certain amount of years and so just the the thought of having money just sit there, you know, you know, even if it's on an interest or or it's invested somewhere, it, it might be foreign to them really because they're just used to doing this paycheck to paycheck approach. Um, so I see your point about okay, you, you do what you do, kind of want to open yourself up to getting used to that, to being used to that. Okay, I'm not supposed to spend every single penny that I earn. I actually should be putting an emergency fund. I should be investing it. Should be paying off debt, etc. So yeah, no, that, that that's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting to get that your take on it, right? Because kind of I look at it by default. I always look at it sort of from the financial side, right? And I'm kind of like, well, the, I look at the opportunity cost, right? And okay, well, if I've got X thousand dollars in an account somewhere and it's barely earning any interest, right? In fact, it might be losing money once you factor in inflation, right? Then I say, well, I should be investing that money in there. And then if, if an emergency uh, comes along, then, you know, sure, have a bit of a cushion, but then maybe use the home equity line of credit to supplement that if necessary and then pay that off next month. You know, so I kind of look at it that way because it would bother me to have that money just sitting there, not earning much of a return. However, I, I completely see your point about how that's kind of, uh, you know, you're playing a bit with fire <laughs> at that point because you're, you know, you're. so that was kind of the counter argument, right, to what you're saying uh, or the counter, but but it's it's dangerous, right, because now you're... You're relying on debt again. You're 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 basically going against the whole no more debt philosophy, and and that can and if you've had problems with debt in the past, you might start digging a deeper hole than you ever were in to begin with. So I see your point. First, learn how to be financially intelligent, and then you can make those kinds of choices. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, right? You need to kind of develop those habits and and. Yeah, like you say, get 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 used to saving money and having money set aside and having that emergency fund, and then okay, see if maybe you want to go fancy like that. You know, maybe you don't. Maybe you want to push it harder. But in the beginning, if you're dealing with with a debt credit, you know, if you're that person with seventy four thousand in debt, or or, exactly. or 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 I would even argue any credit card debt, right? Because that, that you're not paying off every fully every month, then you know this isn't a game. This isn't kind of you shouldn't be playing with fire in that way. You should be sort of doing the conservative thing to establish those those good habits and get yeah, out of debt as quick as possible. Keep it keep it super simple. Yeah. It's mainly psychological. It's mm-hmm. mainly about getting into action and yeah. just taking good steps. Later you can make 
new kinds of choices. But for mm -hmm. the moment, it's all about developing awareness, developing good habits. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. Yeah, because it's I really like questions like that, right? Because there's always such such arguments made on both sides, right? There's the, there's the spreadsheet people, <laughs> right? That will make certain arguments financial, but then the psychological piece is so critical as, as, as you know, uh, you know, even more so than me, right? That you, you really need to tackle those psychological barriers. Well, as I said at the beginning, I, I'm very similar to you, Cornell, personally. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I see things in a very rational and kind of logical light. But debt is not logical. It's right. not logical to be in debt. It's, it's very much something that's ingrained in us. We're hypnotized to believe that debt is normal. You know, it's $250 right. that the credit card companies spend on advertising for every $1 that's spent on financial literacy. So we're constantly receiving messages mm -hmm. that these companies want us to receive, but very few about how to be financially fit. Right. So to get fit, we've got to take certain steps, which maybe they're not sustainable over the long run, but you've got to learn. And, and, mm -hmm. and so this is training wheels, you know, yeah, we're talking yeah. training wheels. Yeah, I like it. I mean, set the foundation first, right? Before you start scaling up and doing all these complicated things and optimizing just just make sure you've got the foundation down first right um, because it's, it's so easy to to make a wrong turn if you try to get i guess too advanced too fast try to take try to optimize everything right from the get-go um, it, it can be it, it's a dangerous road to travel if, if you're not kind of going through that nice progression right i mean it sounds like what you're suggesting is you know you want to go through this progression like you said start with the training wheels and then work your way up instead of just kind of getting on the bike right away and just, you know, hoping for the best, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? When you start playing games with tools, with interest rates, mm -hmm. with like, it, you know, investing versus debt, when you start, then, then people start dropping out of the, out of the program. They, mm -hmm. they actually stop doing what it takes to get debt free. Mm -hmm. Debt freedom is a singular focus. And you'll get out of debt much faster if you keep it that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. So, so yeah, I, I I feel like I've derailed your question a bit because I wanted some more detail on, on some of these more controversial uh, subjects. Yeah, you know what though? <laughs> you're 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 you're. Um, I appreciate this because it's just it's so easy to get lost in details and we forget about what it is we're trying to accomplish. Right. And, 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 and that a lot of people suffer from that as, as, um, as you may remember, my first point of psychological, the psychological barrier is overwhelm. How does overwhelm happen? It happens when you're, there's this army of details mm -hmm. arrayed against your singular wish to be debt free right. and and a lot of these details are are thrust on us by so-called experts who want to help us get debt free. You know, right. so you know, create this kind of emergency fund and this kind of snowball method and this kind of budgeting and and expense tracking and mint versus uh, doing it by hand and all these different questions. And then we we lose track of the basic basic goal, which is getting out of debt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and really the main thing is is to do it. Mm -hmm. 
as stupid as that sounds. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I uh, it's, it's especially this day and age, right? It's easy to just keep researching and to keep trying to find little tweaks, little tweaks here, little tweaks there when we're not actually doing the core yet, right? We're kind of preparing for this big day when we'll finally execute the plan and the pl- and we just keep delaying executing the plan because, oh, we've got to do this. I've still got to do this. I've got to do this. And, you know, in the meanwhile, you're in debt the whole time, right? Instead of, instead of already digging your way out. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I've interviewed, I've interviewed so many people and almost every single person who I've interviewed basically gives the same advice, which is start. Right. Yeah. And you know, I get that a lot because I always, when I interview, you know, I try to go really deep and I try to sort of, I like, I like to start off with beginner questions and then go more and more advanced and more deep. And I've, I've definitely noticed this common recurrence with, with guests on the show where they say, okay, but like, yes, let's get advanced, but remember that you have to first start, right? Because it seems like, you know, based on their experience, that actually seems to be what hangs a lot of people up is, is the, is just this inform this, this overwhelm, like you said, and they, and they just don't start, right? So, so start right away and then find, look for ways to optimize it while you're doing it, as opposed to just trying to lay all the groundwork beforehand and never actually getting started to begin with. Yeah, beautifully put. Well, yeah. put. trying to trying to find that silver bullet, right? When you when <laughs> when uh, when that doesn't actually exist, and you know it, it could take a while for you to find sort of the optimum for you. Uh, but in the meantime, you should be hacking away at that debt, definitely. Yes. Um, so so yeah. So you mentioned the emergency fund, uh, and I, I, I assume you had a few more steps after that. I you know what I do, and I know we're going long, and I I hope that's okay. Sure. Oh, for sure. No problem. Okay, great. Yep. So the next one, after you've created an emergency fund, it's time to bring awareness to your spending. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you basically, we, so you, there are two ways to bring awareness to spending. One is periodically by evaluating the statements of your, your credit cards and your banks so that you can analyze your spending and there are great tools around like mint and other tools even your bank probably has a tool and these things help a lot but the real real way to become aware of your actions of and make better choices is to actually track your spending as you're spending okay and this is really important the present moment is the moment in which you make decisions, as obvious as that sounds. But if you're in that moment and you're you're about to write down an expense that you're making, you put more thought into it. You you actually ask yourself, is this in my best interest? How is this going to serve me? Do I really want this? Is there a way to do this different? Just asking questions like that. So it isn't so much about the tracking as it is about the awareness that it brings to the action. And as you bring more awareness to the action, you get all kinds of new choices mm-hmm. and, and become, it, it really accelerates. I've talked to people who've been able to cut their, um, I talked to the, these people the other day, they were able to cut their food bill down literally from $1,000 a month <laughs> or to, to $200 a month. Okay, yep. You know, oh. and, and I, 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 I've talked to people who, when they started the debt-free game, they thought it was going to take them 10 years, and it took them three. Mm-hmm. And 
it's it's becoming aware of your expenses as you do it that is the 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 silver bullet or the magic uh behind the madness if you will mm-hmm. it is what accelerates your debt freedom journey gotcha so you're saying it's basically you're at the store you're thinking of getting something and you just have to start asking yourself sort of those correct questions as opposed to just allowing yourself to basically impulse buy because you're craving that particular thing at that particular time, right? You know what? Impulse buys are one of them. And another mm-hmm. one are just regular routine buys. Oh, they don't even question, right? You don't even Yeah, like question. the groceries example is perfect for that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I always got this and now I'm going to get this. But then you write that thing down mm-hmm. that you always got and you realize, holy free holy, I'm spending $36 a month on uh, on Starbucks coffee, let's say, and actually, is that giving me thirty six dollars worth of happiness? Mm-hmm. Well, geez, maybe I can try an experiment and see if I can do it with you know sixteen dollars this month. Right, right. Or and see, like and see if I feel any happier or less happier. And <laughs> I, I'm willing to bet that a lot of times you probably wouldn't even notice the difference for a lot of things. Yeah, what ends up happening almost invariably is you find a more creative solution that mm-hmm. makes you happier. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, some of these questions to ask yourself before the purchase, I I, um, I was reading a little bit about sort of your, your program and kind of where you got the methodology. And I remember reading how um, you, part of it got inspired by the book, Your Money or Your Life. Oh, it's great. And, uh, and one of the things that I found that they just speaking of kind of the questions that you should ask yourself right and one of the things that i remember they they mentioned in the book was how you find out what your actual hourly rate is yeah and so and and it's not as simple as taking your salary and divided you know dividing it by 365 or however you want to do it it's actually including other things like the gas you pay for the car to get to work, the price you pay for the car, for the oil change, sort of, you know, the the time you spend getting ready for work, right? Because if time is money, then, you know, if you're spending half an hour to get ready for work, well, that, that's worth something too. So you calculate every single little thing that you have to do, even before you get to work and after you get to work, like the commute and everything, to find out, well, what am I actually earning per hour when we include all those hours getting ready for work and all those extra expenses. And it was interesting because I think in the one example, it was something like, like if you make $50,000 a year, then depending on your circumstances and where you work and all that, you know, you might be making as little as $8 an hour once everything is actually factored in all these little expenses. And and I thought, so that, I mean, to me, that's a really kind of eye opening moment, right? When, when you really factor in all those extra things and then to get back to what you said about asking yourself the right questions. So I, I thought that was an interesting way because when, uh, because then when you go and buy something and something is $16 and you're making that $8 an hour, you have to ask yourself, okay, I have to work two hours to actually get this, right? So yeah. is is this worth two hours of me working, right? And I think that's such a powerful question if you ask yourself that. That's I mean, so that can true. that can really change it, right? Like, is this going to, you know, if you get something more expensive, like a $100 thing, is this really worth that many hours of, of happiness? Or, I mean, that many hours of work? Is it really generating that much happiness? And and for sure, the answer a lot of times I would say is is no. Like you, you wouldn't want to trade that amount of time in terms of freedom for, for such a material item that's going to give you pleasure for what well, I mean, usually it's what a few days before you get used to it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So no, so that's great. I'm glad you brought up about, you know, the questions to ask yourself. Cause that was kind of one that really kind of spoke to me personally about a nice, like practical thing you can do 
uh, to really save yourself some money. And I remember actually doing this even before learning about the book when I was much younger in high school, you know, when you're making, you know, slightly above minimum wage, right? And then I just remember like, wow, I'm, okay, I'm, I think at the time it was something like $7 an hour, which was actually like above minimum wage, believe it or not. <laughs> and then, you know, but then I remember going to a store and I'm like, well, you know, if this thing is $60 and I'm making seven an hour and that's not even including, you know, taxes and all that. I mean, wow, that's actually really expensive. So I, you know, and then you get older and you make more money and, and that you stop questioning that, I think. But I think it's really healthy to keep thinking in those terms and including things like your commuting costs, your car costs, time to get ready for work. And that really, I think, puts things in perspective. It's true. Yeah. 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 Especially when you can do some things that cost no money, like, you know, playing with your children or maybe going on a bike ride, right? And you look at how much fun, like if you like bike riding a bike, I do. So I, I use that as an example. But, you know, you compare something like that to, okay, versus this material thing, you know, it, it's it's no contest, you know? <laughs> it's the, it, it, it's really true, the statement that the best things in life are free. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's such a cliche. And, you know, again, it's, it's really all a matter of, of basically thinking for yourself. You know, are you going to think for yourself or are you going to allow the marketing uh, departments to think for you? You know, right. there's, a, there's a whole army of guys in white coats in Silicon Valley, you know, <laughs> figuring out how to convince you of stuff for their purposes. And, and, and are you going to think for yourself about what do I really want? What do I really care about? Mm-hmm. And then making the steps to make that a reality. That's what it's about. Right, right. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so let's uh, let, let's keep going. What are what are some of these other uh, some of these other steps? All right, great. Well, as we, as we said, uh, so so basically, the first step you make the decision to get debt free. The second step you create that emergency fund. Mm-hmm. The third, well, the first step, and and then step one A is no new debt, no right. new debt, no new debt, no new debt. <laughs> And then uh, you create that emergency fund, and it can be really done easily, even automatically through something like Digit, where they just take a few cents from your your bank account and put it into another account that you just leave alone. Mm-hmm. It, it can be really simple, and we, we say start simple. Become aware of your actions. Track your spending. Uh, look at your account. Look at your, your credit card um, statements. Or your bank statements every month, and evaluate each expense. Yep. And uh, so that create leads you to the next step of making better actions. Uh, then we have the method that we use to help people get off out of debt, which is a snowball method. Which is you just basically you collect all your debts together, and you 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 choose one that you're going to pay off, and. I'll just cut to the chase here. There are different schools of thought right. on how to do that. Yep. Let's don't even have the conversation. It's, <laughs> that, that's like a 20-minute conversation at least altogether. We're yeah. not, <laughs> save your money, people. Don't go to the show. Don't have the conversation. <laughs> you choose whichever one you want to pay off for your reasons. Uh, we, we recommend if, you know, choose the smallest one. Get a victory. Right. So, but whatever you choose, fine. 
Uh, yeah, it seems like there's three, like there's three main ones at least that I've heard. Oh, there's God, the one, there's the one. Of, I'll, I'll go real quick, just just because I think some people might want an example. So we've got, we've got the one which is pick the smallest one because you get that psychological boost, you get that momentum going, right? That you're actually paying off that. So there's that one. Then there's the other approach, which is well, use the get the one with the highest interest uh, because you're paying the most for that particular one. And then I've even heard one where someone said, well pick the one that kind of hurts the most, right? The one that's really bothering you. Like if you have like gambling debt or something like that, you know, maybe, you know, that, uh, you know, you get rid of something like that first, yeah. uh, you know, just because that's also gonna let you sleep better at night. It's gonna also give you that psychological. And so, all right, I won't go into more detail, but those are three that I heard uh, that, I, that I kind of hear, well, that I hear repeated quite a bit. You and, know what, uh, beautiful. Ways. And, 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 and if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're asking yourself how to pay off the debt, you choose one of those three that Cornell just described. So one is one is uh, based on interest rate. You know, so you pick the one with the highest interest rate. You pick the one with the smallest debt, so that you can get a victory. Or you pick the one that pisses you off the most. <laughs> right. And that way, it just feels like I'm not going to get really sick and disgusting here. So I'll leave out the analogy that was coming to my mind. <laughs> And instead, just say it's relieving. It's right. relieving to get it out. Um, but 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 if you don't know what to do, then just choose the one with the lowest interest rate. Mm -hmm. Like again, the the main thing is starting. So right. you 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 pay. What it is is you pay the minimum on all of the different accounts, and then you you put as much as you can into the account that you're focusing on until it's paid off. Right. And then you choose the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one, and then it's all paid off, and then there's peace on earth, and you have freedom, <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> Something like that. All right. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's great. So, so the, are those are those all the steps then? In the you know program? what? Then no, there's a few others, and one is you have to know that there are going to be setbacks, and so keep your be gentle with yourself at, when there are setbacks and, and have people, have a community to help you get back on track. And you right. should have a community to keep on track as well. Mm -hmm. And also plan in. Once, you've had, once you have enough money in your emergency fund to handle expenses, you know, you should reward yourself periodically. Take breaks. Plan it. Go, go to dinner. Have a good time. Don't, you know, if, if, if don't, don't, just go all in and burn yourself out, you know, mm -hmm. because you need to stay the course. You need to yeah. go all the way and you it's need to marathon. make it sustainable. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you need to make it sustainable, right? You need to, you're working pretty hard at this. So you do need that sort of, uh, that reward, like you said, right? Because you don't want to lose track of why you're doing all this in the begin with and you get discouraged and you've have, you know, you know, we're working hard at this forever and you feel and, you know, you you don't you still have, you have some to show for it, but you know you've been depriving yourself of all these things. So no, for, for sure, you definitely want to reward yourself a bit too. I've heard that over and over again. Uh, you know, for, just from different experts because it, it it's hard, right? Like even this goes for anything, right? Even like a diet, right? Every once in a while, you do want to reward yourself because it's just so so difficult. Others will even say impossible to sustain some you know that level of discipline indefinitely, right? You have to you know you've got to have a bit of a balance. You know sure. what? Actually, I'm going to go even further, and I'm going to say that you had a fun. You had fun when you looked at that calculator and, and you saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is really important, people. 
You want to have fun with the process. I know it sounds crazy, and I even look a little crazy. I got my hat on, my hair, it's going a little wild. You know, Cornell wanted this video, so here I put it together. Maybe you're not seeing me because it's a podcast and I feel relieved, but whatever. The, the point is, is that you've got to have fun with this. And it, it, it is fun. Once you're on track, I know this doesn't sound, it sounds like I'm, I'm giving you a load of, of whatever, but it can be fun. It can really actually be fun to get out of debt. You, you, you treat it like a game and yep. you figure out how to optimize your spending and how to yep. make extra money on the side. And, you know, you, you, you create goals for yourself and see if you can exceed those goals. And the whole thing can be a blast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's exactly what we did to, to get mortgage free so quickly. It kind of, yeah, treat it as a game. You know, I used Mint to track everything. And then, you know, if something isn't optimized or, you know, we're slipping in one area, you kind of try to strategize, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to tackle this? How do we prevent this from happening? And I remember I even started a side business as well, which still exists to this day to help pay it off even quicker. Right. So it's kind of, like you said, it's fun. It's, you know, you, you, you start strategizing, you start thinking about all these kind of fun ways. And then, yeah. And then you see, you put in that calculator, how much you just cut your debt by, by, you know, putting in that certain amount that you've saved that month. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really, as nerdy as it sounds, it's a really great feeling and it's, it's psychological, right? I mean, it, you need that to get going, I think. Oh, it's so much fun. And it, yeah. it's, you know what, it's, it's like, it's like everything in life. It's, it's just a moment of your life and you treat it like a moment. It has a beginning, it has an ending, and it's your responsibility in how you treat it. And mm-hmm. you, and it doesn't have to be this, this purgatory of sacrifice and misery until you finally debt free, you know, and, and you're a bad person and all of these things that we hear it's not like that you can treat this as 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 okay i'm on an adventure it's a quest i'm with my group of people and we're going to conquer this thing right and and you do and then and 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 it feels awesome like you said Mm -hmm. yeah no that's that's great that's great so yeah alan you know tell us a bit more about your your program i mean one thing that, that i find particularly interesting about it is how you actually build a community you know of experts and of others trying to get out of that and and you work all together kind of as part of a team which i think is really nice because you know maybe you don't have anyone around you that that's there to sort of support you or maybe you don't have that positive role model or have that expert or you know it, it's so much easier if you have that group of people and you're all striving towards the same goal and you're all encouraging each other so yeah tell us tell us more about kind of this this community and this course that that you've built awesome yeah you know what it's thank you, and you, you put it really well. And it's hard enough to get out of debt, but it's almost impossible to get out of debt by yourself. It, it, it takes a team, and that team may be your significant other. It may be a, a family member who you trust who, who, who's also on the same journey. It may be a friend, or it may be just people that come together for that purpose. So what we've done is we've created Destination Debt Freedom. And Destination Debt Freedom combines the best, most proven methods to help people get financially, or rather debt-free and financially intelligent, like the real basic steps, many of which are are, are discussed here in this uh, time together, Cornell. And 
So, so those skills are great, but it's not enough. You got to get started. You got to get on track and you got to stay on track and go all the way and have fun going all the way. So what we've done is we've made it fun with our program, with our methodology. We put you on teams of people where you check in regularly. And, and that's really important as well so that you can be acknowledged when you achieve even little steps and set goals for the next steps mm -hmm. and build momentum and all the way, not just a course, it's a course of 21 days only, but then your team stays with you for as long as it takes till you get debt free. That's great. And, 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 and then there's an online community, which is a forum where people talk about various ways to save money and make extra money. And we offer special opportunities with partners who, you know, where you can save, save money on various things. But mm -hmm. primarily, the number one and two uh, aspects of our program is the course and the team that will walk with you the whole distance. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. So what is that link? Uh, one more time, Alan? What is the link? The, the link, if you want to go check out your... Yes. Uh, yeah. The link. And we hope you want to check this out. And the link is... DestinationDebtFreedom.com. So you go to DestinationDebtFreedom.com and sign up. And we are going to be offering a free webinar, which will be made available in mid-July. Uh, and so you want to sign up so that you can get the free class. And uh, that will be taught by my partner, my lovely partner, Jackie Beck. So that's, uh, that's what we got. Okay, that's awesome. And then you guys run it as kind of a, a course that reopens every once in a while, right? Like you bring these teams together, I believe, right? And then, uh, and then it closes and then it reopens again in the future. And then you start matching the teams and building the teams that way. Um, is, that, is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We open the program for a certain number of participants and yeah. then we close it. And right. the reason why we do that is because we need all of the course members to start at the same time right. so that they can be in the at the same steps and they can, mm. you know, they, you can start a team, uh, get, being in a team with the, your classmates and that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good idea. I like, I like that approach. Yeah. Just to make sure everyone starts off at the same base. So you're not with someone that's been in it already for six months and they're kind of, Oh, well, you're still at stage one. So I'm like, not even going to bother. <laughs> right. And it's hard for them. It might be harder for you to relate to that person. Right. Whereas if you're with someone that's in the same boat as you, it can be a lot more encouraging. And, uh, and yeah, I think the accountability component's really big too. Right. Like, I mean, you're in a personal development and so, you know, I'm sure you'll agree that, over and over and over again when you when you read books and watch your videos on personal development the accountability subject always comes up right and if so and if you're held accountable by your, you know your friends or your peers or by a group like a team that you that you've built for example you're just your success rate goes up so much oh, because you know because you know you, you know you don't want to disappoint them right yes. uh, and, and that can be sort of that psychological boost that you might you just might need 
to get over that hump and, and, and to kind of make your way towards that, that freedom level. So um, that, that's great, Alan. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing, uh, you know, good luck with the program. Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll make sure I include the link in the show notes as well for anybody that wants to check it out. And, and yeah, I mean, th- thanks for coming on and, and, and for, uh, you know, sharing your knowledge with us. It's great. You know what? Thank you to what you're doing, Cornell. You're an awesome interviewer and you're a lot of fun to get to know. And I will, um, I look forward to listening to your podcast. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> All right. So yeah, no, so thanks a lot, Alan. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll end it off right here. And, and yeah, I'm definitely looking forward, hopefully have you on in the future as well, if you'd like, uh, you know, when you have another course opening, I know I'm interviewing, um, your colleague as well, uh, in the near future. So, so no, it'll be definitely great to keep in touch and, and yeah, we can continue sharing some best practices when it comes to uh, debt with each other and, and with all the listeners uh, of the podcast as well. Awesome. And I want to thank the listeners for sticking with us. This is an extra long one and I know we got into great detail, <laughs> Yeah. but just remember start. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Alan. Have a great, uh, great weekend. All right. Awesome, Cornell. Uh, bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Alan and you can get all the links and resources mentioned in this episode over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash 19. So just the number 19. Also, while you're there, don't forget to join the Build Wealth Canada community by signing up for free to get exclusive guides and content that is only available to Build Wealth Canada subscribers. Also, as a subscriber, you'll be the first to know of any giveaways that we will continue to have on the show where you can win some great prizes from the many expert guests that we have here on the show. Lastly, if you are an iTunes user, I'd really appreciate it if you gave this podcast a rating. It helps a lot in getting great guests on the show. And if there is a subject or, or a guest that you would like covered on a future episode of the show, you can leave that iTunes review and write in that review, you can add what you'd like to see. And I'll definitely check that out and include it on the next show. Or, or if you're not an iTunes user, you can email me or tweet me or get in touch with me however you'd like. And I'll do my very best to cover your question on a future episode of the show. All right. So thanks in advance. Have a great week and I look forward to hearing from you soon. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca. 